Next weekend is a big, big weekend for our families here in the church. Really, family is very, very important, maybe the most important thing in our lives. And raising children is a challenge. And raising children is a, a great responsibility. Karen and I have, for a number of years, been very fond of reading the writings of John Rosemond. Some of you are familiar with him. He is an author, and he writes a monthly article in the Science magazine about children and about parenting. He's very, very practical, very, very down-to-earth. We were so impressed with him and his writings that we have invited him to come and speak to us next week. He will be here. He will have three different presentations uh, at 9, 10, and 11.30. Also, the uh, next day, Shelley Turkenkoff will be having a presentation in the afternoon about parenting and understanding your children. So it should be a fantastic weekend for all of the parents and grandparents, aunts and uncles, and people that are concerned about children. Our prayer this week as we cycle through the eight things we pray for the church is on families. So those of you who are able, I invite you to kneel with me. Father in heaven, we want to pray for the families represented here today and for those in the church that aren't here for whatever reason. We ask that you will enter the hearts of the adults and that they will learn to appreciate, love, and express happiness and encouragement to one another. We pray that that will bring an environment of security for the children and that they will grow up knowing mom and dad love each other and the children are loved. And we ask, Heavenly Father, by your grace that there will be no more divorce, there will be no more brokenness, there will be no more dominating spirits, but people will be in family for the purpose of loving, caring, and serving one another. And we pray, Heavenly Father, that as we open your word, you will speak to each one of us according to what you want us to hear, what you want us to understand. And we pray for miracles to take place. We pray for lives to be changed. And we ask and pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen. Our study today is found in Exodus chapter 19 as we continue our journey with Moses. Exodus 19 verses 1 and 2. In the third month after the children of Israel had gone out of the land of Egypt, on the same day they came to the wilderness of Sinai. For they had departed from Rephidim, had come to the desert of Sinai and camped in the wilderness. So Israel camped there before the mountain. They will end up being there for 11 months. This was an extremely important appointment that they were keeping. For one, it was a promise being fulfilled. God had promised Moses that if he would go to Egypt and allow God to use him in Egypt, 
that the children of Israel and Moses would come to this very spot and worship. The Sinai Mountains are about two miles long and about a mile wide. We don't know if there is a particular peak that is featured here or if it's the entire mountain range, but that's where they are. We come to verse 3. And Moses went up to God, and the Lord called to him from the mountain, saying, Thus you shall say to the house of Jacob, and tell the children of Israel. So Moses goes up into the mountain to converse with God, and God has a message for the children of Israel. We will see Moses going up and down several times in this story. Verse 4. You have seen what I did to the Egyptians and how I bore you on eagles' wings and brought you to myself. God said, Moses, I want you to remind the people that I delivered them from the Egyptians. I destroyed their enemies. I want you to tell them, remind them, that it was me that bore them on eagles' wings. I provided for their needs, I protected them, and I've led them through the wilderness. And tell them that I have brought them to myself. I've brought them here so they can be alone with me. Tell them that this is time, this is the time to get acquainted with me. Tell them that I want them to learn of me, to become committed to me, and to learn to walk in my way. So Moses was told to tell them that. Verses 5 and 6. Now, therefore, if you will indeed obey my voice and keep my covenant, then you shall be a special treasure to me above all people. For all the earth is mine, and you shall be to me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. These are the words which you shall speak to the children of Israel. When we look at verse 5, we discover the Lord says, Now therefore if. The reason the if is there, apparently it is implying they have a choice. God is going to promise them wonderful blessings, but it is a choice they can make. They don't have to have these blessings. They don't have to serve God. They don't have to do anything but they have the opportunity. And so God is laying this whole beautiful covenant or agreement experience in the context of the freedom of choice. He says, if they obey his voice, if they keep the covenant or the agreement, there would be wonderful, wonderful results. God said they would be a special treasure to him above all people. And then God says, and all people are mine. The whole world is mine. I know everybody and I, and I know every people group. And God is saying, look, if you folks, if you folks will keep our agreement made this day, you are going to be a special treasure to me. And treasure means something of great worth, something of great value. People who are rare, highly esteemed, and greatly regarded, that will be you in my eyes, God says. And then he said, and I will make you a kingdom of priests. Now a priest is a person who is consecrated to God. Their whole purpose is to walk with God and to help others walk with God. A priest has free and ready access to God. 
In fact, a priest acts as an intermediary between God and others. So, a priest has one hand on the throne of God and one hand on a family member, a friend, or an associate, and he is connecting them. God is saying, as a priest, when you pray for your family, I'll hear it. As a priest, when you pray for situations in your life, I'll hear it. As a priest, when you pray for difficulties you're going through, I will hear it. God is saying, I'm promising this to all of you, that you will be a special treasure and you will be a kingdom of priests unto me. I want you to mark your Bibles here, put your hand there or put your bulletin there at Exodus 19. Go all the way to Revelation chapter 1, the last book of the Bible. Revelation chapter 1. And we have here in the introduction of the book of Revelation an interesting phrase. We begin with verse 4 because this is a long sentence and it's hard to just jump in. So John, to the seven churches which are in Asia, grace to you and peace from him who is and who was and who is to come, and from the seven spirits who are before his throne, and from Jesus Christ, the faithful witness, the firstborn from the dead, and the ruler over the kings of the earth, to him who loved us and washed us from our sins in his own blood, and has made us kings and priests, to his God and Father, to him be glory and dominion forever and ever. Some of your Bibles translate that phrase, instead of kings and priests, translates it a kingdom of priests. However, it can be translated either way, kings and priests or a kingdom of priests. And that got scholars thinking that maybe back in Exodus 19 where it says a kingdom of priests, it also means kings and priests. And so in exploring the original language, there are some that have determined the actual translation is better to say kings and priests. So let's go back to Exodus 19. God has said, I will make you a special treasure. You will be priests unto me, but you will also be kings. Now this is highly significant if we think about what a king does. And by the way, what does a king do? Rules. What would be their kingdom? They would rule over themselves. They would no longer be ruled. We're talking individually. We're not talking about the nation. We're talking about individuals. They would no longer be ruled by evil passions, cowardice, or the opinions of others. They would be noble people, dignified people. They would be self-governing people. God's, by God's grace, they would not be a slave to anyone to any circumstances or to anything. They would stand with the regal reality that they are kings. And they are ruling over the sinful nature that they were born with. By God's grace, they stand in great personal dignity. So God says, I'll make you a treasure I'll make you a priest. 
I will make you a king. You will be an individual filled with self-respect, dignity, purpose, and self-worth. In essence, God is putting it this way. You'll be a treasure. You will know you are a treasure. You will act like you are a treasure. And you will help others come into the relationship with God so they can be a treasure. It goes on. Verses 7 and 8. So Moses came and called for the elders of the people and laid before them all these words which the Lord commanded him. Then all the people answered together and said, All that the Lord has spoken we will do. So Moses brought back the words of the people to the Lord. Moses had come back down. Now he went back up with the response of the people. The elders and the people agree with the covenant. Now, they probably were sincere, but they really didn't know what they were doing. And uh, it'll be some time in their lives before they recognize all that's involved with this. And so we are not going to spend a lot of time on it right now. We have a different theme today, but we will have to come back to this probably a number of times as we study Moses and his life. We go to verse 9. It says, And the Lord said to Moses, Behold, I come to you in a thick cloud, that the people may hear when I speak with you and believe you forever. So Moses told the words of the people to the Lord. Then the Lord said to Moses, Go to the people and sanctify them today and tomorrow, and let them wash their clothes. Let them be ready for the third day, for on the third day the Lord will come down upon Mount Sinai in the sight of all the people. You shall set bounds for the people all around, saying, Take heed to yourselves that you do not go up to the mountain or touch its base. Whoever touches the mountain shall surely be put to death. A fence, if you will, a boundary was set around the mountain. They were not supposed to come close to it. Not a hand shall touch him, but he shall surely be stoned or shot with an arrow. Whether man or beast, he shall not live. When the trumpet sounds long, they shall come near the mountain. Then Moses went down from the mountain. Here he goes down again. Went down from the mountain to the people and sanctified the people, and they washed their clothes. And he said to the people, Be ready for the third day. Do not come near your wives. So for three days they prepare to be in the presence of a holy God. They're fasting from normal pleasures of life. They are cleaning their clothes. They're supposed to be taking time to purify their hearts. In fact, let me show you a verse. We're, we won't turn there. It won't take us long to look at it on the screen. Jesus said, blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. What would it require for them to be there? A pure heart. And what does that mean? A pure heart is a heartfelt repentance, deep contrition, and an earnest resolve to forsake sin and to live righteously. That's the pure heart that God is responding to or telling us about in this chapter. So now we find out in order for them to be in the presence of a holy God, they have to spend time preparing themselves, thinking about their lives. 
who they are and what they're like, seeking forgiveness for sin and resolving to forsake sin and to live righteously. We come to verse 16. Then it came to pass on the third day in the morning that there were thunderings and lightnings and a thick cloud on the mountain and the sound of the trumpet was very loud so that all the people who were in the camp trembled. And Moses brought the people out of the camp to meet with God and they stood at the foot of the mountain. Now Mount Sinai was completely in smoke because the Lord descended upon it in fire. Its smoke ascended like the smoke of a furnace and the whole mountain quaked greatly. And when the blast of the trumpet sounded long and became louder and louder, Moses spoke and God answered him by voice. Then the Lord came down upon Mount Sinai on the top of the mountain, and the Lord called Moses to the top of the mountain, and Moses went up. So God manifested himself. His majesty was demonstrated in a thick cloud upon the mountain, thunders and lightning, exceedingly loud trumpet, smoke as of a furnace, and the mountain quaking. You know, what's this all about? It's interesting to me that pendulums swing. Sometimes political pendulums, sometimes moral pendulums, social pendulums, whatever, they, they swing. And there has been a time, theologically, when the pendulum was off-center on the side uh, that pictured a God that was very angry. Hard to please, looking for people to make mistakes, ready to punish. And so rather than a balanced picture of justice and mercy, so forth and so on, the pendulum has a tendency to swing to the center, but then go on too far. To where people can have a concept of God that well, you know, he might have these boundaries, he might have these rules, but, you know, times change. We're in a different culture now. Surely he'll adapt to us. And in a generation or generations like we have in the Western world, where it's all about me, this becomes a very, very convenient theology to have. Because in the bottom line, you know, the bottom line, God wants me to be happy and this makes me happy. And after all, that's what it's all about. And worst case scenario, if it's wrong, hey, all I have to do is confess that that's sin and I'm good. I'm still good with God. Well, there's elements of truth in everything that was said there. But what our world needs, what our church needs, and what our country needs is a return trip to Mount Sinai and find out that God is holy. And if we're going to approach Him, we have to do it His way on His terms. And that there are consequences of not doing it that way. Well, we read on in the story and something very unusual takes place. Verse 22. 
Verse 21, excuse me, the Lord said to Moses, go down and warn the people lest they break through to gaze at the Lord, and many of them perish. Also let the priests who come near the Lord sanctify themselves, lest the Lord break out against them. What is going on? Moses is up there talking to God, and God says, Moses, leave me and go down and warn the people. Warn them again that if they don't follow what I've said, they're going to die. Here's a clear picture. God is not willing that any should perish. So he sends warnings. He sends saviors, Jesus. And he sends messages through his words and his songs. Now Moses is kind of put out with the Lord. You see... Moses knows that, approach, that approaching God with a disobedient, disrespectful heart is certain death. And he's thinking to himself, no one would be so dumb as to do that, God. You've made the rules clear. For three days we've prepared for this. I mean, all the thunder, all the trumpeting, all the smoke, all the lightning, all that stuff. It's pretty clear you're who you say you are. Nobody's going to cross that boundary, God. Watch what happens. Verse 23. Moses said to the Lord, the people cannot come up to Sinai, for you warned us, saying, set bounds around the mountain and sanctify it. Then the Lord said to him, away, get down and then come up, you and Aaron with you. But do not let the priests and people break through to come up to the Lord, lest he break out against them. So Moses went down to the people and spoke to them. God says, Moses, I'm not going to argue with them. Get down there. People are about to cross the boundary. So Moses went down there to talk to the people. Can't believe that they would cross the fence and clearly disobey the clear expressions of God. Now, I wonder what Moses said to the people when he got down there. So I have tried to get into Moses' mind. Here's what Moses said according to me. Are you crazy? Why would you throw your life away? Why would you be so careless? How could you be so arrogant as to think you could completely disregard the clear teachings of God? Does life mean anything to you? Some people here today are repentant, contrite, resolved to forsake sin, and by God's grace, they want to live righteously. Praise God for you. But there may be some people here today, or some who will hear this message, who are not repentant, contrite, resolved to forsake sin, or to live righteously. They are pushing through the boundaries of God. I have some questions for you. You see, pushing through the boundaries of God is sure and certain death. 
So here's my questions for those who are not serving God, but serving themselves. Are you crazy? Why would you throw your life away? Why would you be so careless? How could you be so arrogant as to think you could completely disregard the clear teachings of God? Does life mean anything to you? God wants to make us his special treasure. He wants to make us kings. He wants to make us priests. That means people who have a sense of their great worth in the eyes of God. People who have a dignity, self-respect, purpose, and self-worth. And people who are consecrated to God with free and ready access to Him. People who when they pray, God hears those prayers and God answers those prayers. That's what God is wanting. He says, if you want that, if you want that, you can have it. The question is, do you want it? Do you want it? And I'm wondering if there's anyone here who wants, by God's grace, to approach God with a pure heart. If you want to say yes to that, I invite you to stand. Tell the Lord you want to approach Him with a pure heart. Father in heaven, I pray for these people. I pray you will give them a sense of what a treasure they are to you. I pray that you will make them kings in their own hearts and they will rule over that sinful nature and that they will have a dignity and a self-respect and a regal presence. And I pray, Lord, that they will be consecrated unto you and that you will hear their prayers and you will answer their prayers and that their prayers will count in helping people come to eternal life. I pray this in Jesus' name, amen.